0: Good morning. Hope you're all doing well. I know I am a day late this week and a little bit earlier than I normally am. Uh, We had uh, some stuff going on yesterday so I wasn't able to get on at uh, normal time so I wanted to catch up uh, this week, uh, catch up today and and not miss a week. So uh, we'll get into it here pretty quick. I feel like I am you know, sliding into home just in time to beat the throw right now, um, running just behind this morning. So things are a little bit off for me here, but let's get into it. So last week we talked out of first Corinthians two about, uh, spiritual maturity and, uh, not relying on man's wisdom, but relying on the power of God. And so I want to continue on into uh, chapter three this week out of first Corinthians and, uh, it starts off with a, a call to spiritual maturity, and uh, then uh, Paul moves back into oneness there towards the end of the chapter, and, and we'll get into that here in a minute. So um, I wanted to continue moving through this because there is there's a clear message that is being sent here, and so we'll get into that here shortly. So starting off, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Brothers and sisters, when I was with you, I found it impossible to speak to you, as those who are spiritually mature people, for you are still dominated by the mindset of the flesh. And because you are immature infants in Christ, I had to nurse you and feed you with milk, not with the solid food of more advanced teachings, because you weren't ready for it. <clears throat> Excuse me. If you remember back to the beginning of chapter two, Paul is laying out um, when he first uh, came to the the Corinthian people, he Came with a simple message. Uh, it was Christ and Him crucified, and that was it. And that was that was what he was determined to stay focused on, and to have them be focused on, because he wanted to build uh, that solid foundation, which we're going to get into more here in just a minute. So that's what he's saying here. He, you know, uh, he had to nurse them with that basic message. They had to be able to grasp hold of that before they would be able to handle anything more advanced. He says, in fact, you're still not ready uh, to be fed solid food, for you are living your lives dominated by the mindset of the flesh. Ask yourselves is there jealousy among you? Do you compare yourselves with others? Do you quarrel like children and end up taking sides? If so, this proves that you are living your lives centered on yourselves, dominated by the mindset of the flesh and behaving like unbelievers. So, right here, he mentions that you're. Uh, living lives, you know, centered on yourself, self-centered lives. Uh, He's asking them about, uh, and these are likely rhetorical questions. Is there jealousy among you? Do you compare yourselves with others? Do you quarrel like children and end up taking sides? He's asking these questions, knowing the answers, because the report he's been given and, and part of the reason he's writing this letter to them is in response to that. And he gets into that more here in just a minute. Uh, so, you know, he knows that this is going on amongst the people. And he says, it proves you're living lives centered on yourselves. And and this is interesting because he touches on them uh, being spiritually immature and, and like children and focused on themselves. And he addresses this even more in his later letter, uh, his letter that, that comes later to the Romans in uh, chapter 15, where he's, he's talking about them being. Uh, immature and living self-centered lives and how it's our job as believers to uh, empower these people and patiently bring them into maturity by having them focused on others, you know, which is a Christ-like quality to focus on others and not be self-centered. And so he goes on here for when you divide yourself, divide yourselves up in groups, a Paul group, uh, you're acting like people without the spirit's influence. Right. So a Paul group and an Apollos group, he says, you're acting like people without the spirit's influence. It's pretty simple to see as they are making division within themselves because, Oh, I believed when Paul came, you believed when Apollos came later and they're, they're, they're fighting about that. And it's just, it's absolutely silly. Where is the influence of Holy spirit in there? If there's oneness and union, then there is no influence there from Holy Spirit, right? That is, that's something else. That's, uh, you know, that that system of religion uh, that is dividing people. So verse five, who is Apollos really? Or who is Paul? Aren't we both just servants through whom you believe our message? Aren't each of us doing the ministry the Lord has assigned to us? I was the one who planted the church and Apollos came and cared for it but it was God who caused it to grow. This means that the the one who plants is not anybody special, nor the one who waters, for God is the one who brings the supernatural growth. Now the one who plants and the one who waters are equally important and on the same team, but each will be rewarded for his own work. We are co-workers with God, and you are God's cultivated garden, the house he is building. This is it's an important thing here. He's he's bringing it around to say, look, you're 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 dividing yourselves up following uh Paul who came and, and planted in your the other ones, you're you're backing Apollos because he's the one that came later and watered that seed that was planted. But ultimately he's trying to say, look, that's not important. You know, it's not important to follow the one who planted or the one who watered. It's important to follow the one who's causing growth, right? The focus is not on following the person on the platform. The focus is following Jesus and having your eyes fixed on him. That's the point he's making here. And he goes on God has given me unique gifts as a skilled master builder who lays a good foundation. Afterward, another craftsman comes and builds on it. So, builders, beware. Let every builder do his work carefully according to God's standards for no one is empowered to lay an alternative foundation other than the good foundation that exists which is jesus christ the quality of materials used by anyone building on this foundation will soon be made apparent whether it has been built with gold silver and costly stones or wood hay and straw their work will be will soon become evident for the day will make it clear because it will be revealed by blazing fire and the fire will test and prove the workmanship of each builder if, it were, if his work stands the test of fire, he will be rewarded. If his work is consumed by the fire, he will suffer great loss. Yet he himself will barely escape destruction, like one being rescued out of a burning house. So this is interesting here. You, you, you know, He goes on to say that he has a unique gift uh, as a skilled master builder who lays a good foundation. And afterwards, there's somebody else that comes and builds on that foundation. So it's a different example here. You know, he he came, he planted the seed of the gospel. Apollos came and watered that. God caused it to grow, right? Here he's talking about he is a skilled master builder at laying a foundation, of laying the groundwork of the gospel. Paul can, can put people on solid footing there. And then somebody else like Apollos can come on and build on top of that. So at Unedited Life, you know, w- I'm thinking about this, I'm thinking through it, and like, there's there's likely a lot of you watching our videos online or are coming to church on Sunday that did not uh, come up in the gospel or did not um, get awakened to, to what Jesus did for you and your inclusion in, in the cross, the burial and resurrection through us there, right? That probably came from somebody else. There was a foundation laid somewhere else. And now the main voice you hear watering that is Angie each week, right? She's watering that. She's building on somebody else's foundation that's been laid. And oftentimes what we're finding, though, is that the foundation, while while it is rooted in Jesus and and based on him, there is a lot of of man's um, system of religion mixed in there, which isn't the best foundation to build on but it is a foundation it is a start so this is why you can see when he says that these uh, quarrels of dividing yourselves up into groups it's nonsense it's absolute nonsense and it it doesn't it doesn't have any effect for the kingdom dividing yourselves and and quarreling and having jealousy and, and petty comparisons that does nothing to push the kingdom forward. There's no activity there that is going to take ground for the kingdom. That's going to uh, take back your dominion as kings. You know, that is that is something that orphans do. Once you are pulled up out of orphanhood into sonship, that's it. Those things start to go away. Right? You're not going to be worried about that pettiness anymore. You're going to be focused on the one who's causing the growth. Right, You're going to focus on who it is that is the foundation that's been laid not who laid the foundation but the one who is the foundation jesus right so paul now he shifts uh, like he did in chapter 2 so at the beginning of chapter 2 he talks about uh they were uh, the people who were spiritually immature when he came and he came with that singular message christ and him crucified right jesus the messiah and him crucified and he switches there in chapter two to start saying now what we're what he's doing is not relying on man's wisdom, right? He's relying on the power of God. And he's and Paul makes the same shift here in chapter three. He lays all this out, you know, get rid of the division. That's you're acting like a bunch of children. Stop it. And now let's look at oneness. Right? He shifts it back around to oneness, and he shifts it back around to true wisdom, right the wisdom of God, not relying on the foolishness of man. So this is a repetitive message here in chapter 2 and 3 that you're able to see. You're able to see that in chapter 2, he's making the same progression from immaturity into maturity and where your reliance should be lying on, God's power, God's wisdom, not on man's wisdom, right? Okay, so in verse 16, he says, don't you realize that together you have become God's inner sanctuary and that the spirit of God makes his permanent home in you? That's a question. He says, don't you realize that? Don't you realize that you are together God's inner sanctuary? And together, God makes his permanent home in you. His spirit is making his permanent home in you. Don't you realize that? If you did, you wouldn't be fighting like kids. You wouldn't be saying, oh, I'm behind this platform person over here. or I'm behind that platform person over there. No. You're you're behind Jesus and that's it. He says, now if someone desecrates God's inner sanctuary, God will desecrate him. For God's inner sanctuary is holy. And that is exactly who you are. So it's likely this is directed in response to specific people who are are the ones maybe instigating these things and in instigating these these petty quarrels, they are desecrating God's uh, inner sanctuary right desecrating the people. So it's likely there was there were certain people that he was directing this towards in response to the report he was getting about what was going on there. He goes on in verse 18 to say, So why fool yourself and live under an illusion? Again, a question. Why are you going to fool yourself and live in some false reality, some false sense of what's actually going on? He says, make no mistake about it. If anyone thinks he's wise by the world's standards, He will be made wiser by being a fool for God. We've talked about this. You've heard Angie talk about this. Getting out there and doing what it is God's called you to do. Doing the the picture that you have in your head or the the image you have in your head. Whatever God's showing you, go do that. You may think it looks foolish. Others around you, uh, non-believers, they may think it looks foolish. But in reality, you don't know what's happening in the unseen realm. You don't know what is going to manifest in the natural on the other side of you following through, giving your yes and following through with that. He says, for what the world says is wisdom is actually foolishness in God's eyes. As it is written, the cleverness of the know-it-alls becomes the trap that ensnares them. And again, the Lord sees right through the clever reasonings of the wise and knows that it's all a sham. It's all a sham. So don't be proud of your allegiance to any human leader, for actually you already have everything. I want to stop right there real quick. So don't be proud of your allegiance to any human leader. So we talked on Sunday about submission to leadership, particularly in the church. We made the ask that, um, that there be a submission to uh, the senior leaders there. Right, because they're the ones who are carrying the weight of that message. Right. So it's. That was out of Hebrews 13, verse 17. Right. Following spiritual leaders. When he says, don't be proud of your allegiance to any human leader, that's not what he's talking about. This is, again, that allegiance to a platform person that causes division with other people. Right. Because you go to a different church you know, you you meet with a, a different body of believers. And so uh, I have allegiance to this person. I, I can't go over here because that that may look bad. That, that may paint this person in a bad light over here on this platform. You know, that's the allegiance he's talking about here. He's not talking about the godly submission where uh, you are submitting to your leaders and they are are looking out for your best interests. They are stewarding that submission well, right? And again, for us, we are stewarding that through uh, um, the the teachings each week, uh, the equipping that we're, we're bringing people into, right? That's part of that. So this right here, don't be proud of your allegiance to any human leader. That's what he's talking about there. He's not talking about the submission, to to leadership in the church. For actually, you already have everything. I love this. You have everything. It's important to note, in your union with Christ, in your union with Father, Son, Holy Spirit, you have everything. It has all been given for your benefit. All. It has all been given. The kingdom is within you. That means you have it all right now, not not at some point where you uh, end up confess confessing all your sins. And and now I feel like, oh, I've got everything out of me. Uh, uh, now God's going to give me the kingdom. It's not the way it works. If you if you are keeping, excuse me, if you are keeping records of your own wrongs, you're living outside of God because he's not doing that, right? He was on the cross with Jesus reconciling the world to himself. He's not keeping record of wrongs. So if you are doing that about yourself, you need to stop, right? If you get out of your nature, which is, um, your resurrected nature, where you have, um, Oh, the word is escaping me. You are, are are made holy, right? You were made holy through that act. So you can't, you can step outside of that and sin, but immediately when you're done, you're going to be pulled right back into that. And repentance, you know, you go through through repentance, which means you just turn back to God, just turn turn back to him and come back up higher. That's it. Right? There's no record of it there. So don't step outside of God and, and keep record of wrongs on yourself. Right? You have everything. You have access to everything. That's what he's saying here. Let's get back to that. I, I think I'm getting off track here. It has all been given for your benefit. Whether it is Paul or Apollos or Peter the Rock, or whether it's the world or life or death, or whether it's the present or the future, everything belongs to you. And now you are joined to the Messiah who is joined to God. Right? This is where he's bringing it back around to oneness. You're in union with the Father. You are in union with the Son. You're in union with Holy Spirit. And, and in all of that, we are all collectively brought into oneness. We're all the bride of Christ, Right? That means we're all one body in union with Jesus. We have everything. So there should be no petty quarrels. We shouldn't be acting like children. We should get the good foundation, right? That solid place to be built on. Jesus, him crucified. your inclusion in that. Co-buried, co-resurrected, now co-seated with him in heavenly places. Right now, the kingdom is inside of you. The kingdom lives in you. The kingdom flows out of you. Right. Don't don't allow something less than who God says you are to to spill out of you. Right. Let it just be the kingdom. Right. You guys are royal. Make no mistake about it, you're a king. If you have awakened to the reality that uh, Jesus finished the work, finished the, the act of salvation, and you're like, yes, that's me, you have been brought then, right then, out of orphanhood into sonship. Take hold of that, be a son, be a daughter. Let that be a good foundation now. Start to come up higher. Move into that next level of glory that he's got for you. Step in as a royal. Step in as a king. Don't be self-centered. Be other-centered. Because now when you step as a king, you get to leverage all that you have, all your authority, all the gifts that you've been given on behalf of someone else. Do that this week. Leverage your kingship on behalf of others, on behalf of those around you. All right. Love you all. Have a great week. Um, we'll be back on unedited chats tomorrow morning, Wednesday, sometime between eight 30 and nine. We'll probably schedule it for nine, but it'll be somewhere in there. We'll uh, get started. And then, uh, you will be on later this week with Life Up Here. You definitely don't want to miss that. All right, have a great week.